Up next in our look at the New York Giants 2023 draft picks is the first of two seventh round draft picks, defensive lineman Jordan Riley. And to help us break everything down, we'll be hearing from Locked on Ducks host Spencer McLaughlin. That's coming your way next on the Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Today's episode of the Locked On Giants podcast is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. I'm your host, Patricia Trena, and we are continuing our look at the New York Giants class of 2023. We're looking at each individual draft pick that the Giants selected last weekend, and we are going to the people who know them the best right now, and those are the hosts of the college programs at which these players participated in. So on today's program, we are going to take a look at one of the Giants' two seventh-round draft picks, defensive lineman Jordan Riley out of Oregon. And here to help me break down Riley's game, what he brings to the table, is the host of Locked On Ducks. He's also the host of Locked On Pac-12. He is Spencer McLaughlin. Spencer, thanks so much for joining me. Hey, great to be here. All right, Spencer, let's start off with an overview. Who is Jordan Riley? What does he bring to the table? He brings a lot of experience at the power five level to to the table for for the Giants. Not not surprising that he was taken where uh, he was. Guy who spent six years in in college playing college football. So he's kind of the Hendon Hooker of defensive linemen, if you will. So he he's somebody who began his career at Nebraska, played just this last one with uh, the Ducks and came over and was a a solid contributor, not a big stats guy. It can be hard to generate stats as an interior defensive lineman, but he he was part of, of an Oregon defense that had its ups and downs, but was also one of the best teams in the Pac-12 defending the run. I think that's primarily about your defensive tackles and and your linebackers, and that's uh, you know something Oregon did well up until the the final game of the year against Oregon State, which was uh, all all a disaster and whatnot. But Riley was right at the center of it, and he came over from Nebraska after having been there for for five years and played college football for five years, was in school for six, uh, you know, got the extra COVID year and whatnot, and it's just a really really big guy like he, he's he's hard to miss uh even when you put him up against other power five players or put him up against other draft picks he is a really really big dude definitely a space absorber i, I think that's kind of his his best attribute there and someone who you know didn't didn't blow us away at oregon in the one year that he played in eugene but certainly was someone who who we weren't surprised we expected him to start he did start all season long and we weren't, uh, you know, calling for his job or anything uh, like like that as the season progressed. So uh, just a really, really solid uh, college football player. All right. So um, as I understand it, Jordan Riley transferred to Oregon, um, didn't really play much previously. Um, what where did his game, though? I mean, based on what you know about his game before he came to the Ducks, 
Where did his game really take off? Or was it just a matter of finding his niche for him once he got to Oregon? Well, he came over with Tony Tuioti and Casey Rogers from Nebraska, Oregon's defensive line coach. So that that was part of the reason I think that he that he transferred was because he had that familiarity with his position coach and felt like there was a good pass to playing time, which there there certainly was. I, I think in terms of what his game is, as I alluded to earlier, it's really about his size. You know, he he's not going to blow you away with his uh, technique necessarily he's not going to blow you away with his speed he's not an explosive playmaker he's a guy who who's going to go in the middle of your defense he's going to do the grunt work he's going to work hard and and he's going to you know at his best be a guy who absorbs double teams and creates lanes for your linebackers to come up and stop the run at or around the the line of scrimmage that's kind of the crux of what he brings to the table because you know there there weren't even really that many impact plays that I that I can think of from Oregon's 2022 season that he was a part of, but he was one of the leading snap getters for for the Ducks along the defensive line, and you know it, it's just one of those one of those unsung heroes. Uh, not not surprising that a guy who certainly has NFL size. I don't think there's any question or, or, or reservations about about that, but. I, I think he's somebody who, you know, understands what his role is. And I think fans should understand the role that that he is, that he's capable of playing in the NFL. Where's his best position? I think he's lined up as a, as a zero tech. I think he's done some one tech work, if I'm not mistaken, a little bit, some shade work, but where's his best position, do you think? So in Oregon's defensive system last year, they ran a 4-2-5 and he was consistently one of those interior defensive tackles. I think he's big enough. If you wanted to, you could play him at nose guard. I don't know if he's sufficiently dominant by NFL standards, at least at the collegiate level. And look, we've seen guys before get the right coaching after uh, their college careers once they get to the NFL and really start to take off and pop, right? I mean, it's more true at a position like quarterback. You know, a great example is Justin Herbert, of course, who a lot of people had skepticism about when he was in college, but the offensive staff he was working for wasn't very good. He gets to the NFL, gets uh, coaching at the Chargers, which wasn't even that great, but was still NFL level, and he pops in a big way. That happens for position players as well, where you know they don't maximize their full potential in college because there are just elements to the NFL that, that are different. The coach, position coaches, I feel like, have a, a good understanding of how to get the most out of a, a particular player. So if you wanted to line him up at nose tackle, I think you certainly you certainly can. He's big enough to do that. But what he's most familiar with is being one of two interior defensive linemen and kind of being a part of of that four man front. Of course, you have another former Doc Kayvon Thibodeau on on the edge on on one side. But I, I think Riley is a guy that I'd be pretty surprised if he started regularly for the Giants, but I think he's someone who you bring in as as a rotation piece. I think he's someone who can be a part of a goal line package as well. If you want to put some extra big bodies in there, I think that's kind of where he can where he can slide in, where he can be best served. But if you're relying on him to be a starter and be a highly productive player, I think that's asking a little bit too much of him. Yeah, certainly for the rookie campaign, given the lack of experience, I think he's had less than what 600 snaps at the college level combined if i'm not mistaken yeah it yeah it hasn't been a huge number i i don't have the the number in front of me but he 
He, he was a guy who played some at Nebraska and was just on campus. I think the appeal for Oregon, again, was what was his size and experience in the weight room, right? Just being a, a power five ready body type, NFL style body type, as we now see, who, who can come in and, and not need a ton of work and, and a ton of development as well. You know, he showed, I think his best game was probably Oregon's best defensive game of the year against Utah. A lot of guys played really well, but he had, uh, he, he had a good game, had a couple pressures up the middle, got his hand on a pass or two from, from Utah's cam rising. That was, I think the, the biggest singular game impact that, that he had all season. But I, I think this was the most he he's played in a year, uh, in terms of comparing it to all the seasons that he had over at Nebraska. And I, I think that's a good thing if if you're a Giants fan, because you want someone who's shown that he's capable of doing more than he was uh, doing in his role when when he was a Cornhusker. And, and he showed himself, again, solid, nothing special, special. But I never felt like, you know, when he was at Oregon that he was getting moved around all the time, right? Like he was uh, not capable of, you know, holding his own or that he was getting driven back three or four yards on every play. I never felt that way either. And for a guy that size, that's about what you'd expect. And I think uh, a seventh round draft pick is probably an appropriate grade for him. Hey, Giant fans, the NBA playoffs are in full swing and they're really heating up. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. There's no better place to bet on all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. How is he in terms of his mobility? Is is he a guy, you know, we think of Dexter Lawrence, for example. He's a guy with good mobility, despite being, you know, a guy with with size. I mean, how, how is Riley in that regard? Uh, not, not the most fleet of foot. Uh, I, I think he's a guy that is going to do more against the run than, than he is against the pass. But if he, you know, breaks through the line of scrimmage and gets to a quarterback, I wouldn't expect him to, you know, Leonard Williams style, track a quarterback down and keep up with, with some of the mobile guys that you see around the NFL nowadays at, at a high level. I, I think he's somebody who, you, you know, might may do that from from time to time, but un, unless it's Kirk Cousins back there, you're, you're probably not going to have a, a ton of opportunities for him to to generate sacks. But you know, the, the thing with him is he never looked like he was out of position. He never looked like he misunderstood his assignment. That he misunderstood his role. I think you know, even the, even though this was his most productive and most uh, snap heavy season uh, in 2022 at Oregon, I, I think you're getting a guy who has a pretty darn good football IQ, which you don't think about a lot for a defensive lineman. But the wherewithal of understanding, you know, when the offensive linemen are letting up because of a screen pass, the wherewithal to understand gap assignments or blitzes or all that sort of stuff. I, I think he's someone who knows what he needs to do in those situations very well and i think that's that's part of what makes him such a solid football player beside uh, your uh in, in spite of not being the world's most explosive athlete in terms of you know his play on the defensive line you know you've got guys who 
are big bodies, but they absorb blocks. And then you get guys who take up multiple blockers. Where does his game currently fall? He can do a little bit of both. I, I wouldn't say he's, you know, particularly a specialized player at one or the other. But I, I think when you look at a guy of his size, I think he's about 6'6", 320 or, or so in in that sort of range. I think he's someone who, who can be a factor in, in the run game. I think is where, where he can grow. Sorry if that's one of the questions you were going to ask later. But uh, where, where he can grow is getting a, a bigger array of moves and better use of his hands. So another defensive lineman that Oregon has by the name of Brandon Dorless will be an NFL draft selection next year. And he's a really good interior defensive lineman. And the reason Brandon Dorless is so good is he uses his hands as well as any defensive tackle I've ever seen come through the Ducks. Like the last great defensive tackle, not defensive end, but defensive tackle was – I mean, there were a couple, you know, DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead were really good. But the first great one I remember was Haloti Nada. And Haloti Nada just kind of bull rushed people. Like he had great hands. He used them really well, but he was just a physically imposing player and a ridiculous athlete. And I think for Riley, you know, where he can kind of take a next step is to be more productive in the passing game and be a guy who uses his hands a lot better to get by. Cause I think he's reliant on his size to just kind of bull rush guys. And, and I, I don't have full insight on whether or not it was part of the scheme for him to, you know, try and get by a, a guard or center or whether or not he was trying to take up space, contain the quarterback. Like there are different assignments within a defensive line scheme, depending on what your, your defensive play call is. But I, I think that's, where he has room for growth is getting after the quarterback, developing more moves, which, which basically, you know, as we've learned from Aaron Donald is just all about how you can kind of get the, the, I, you can tell I never played defensive line. I'm <laughs> five and a half. So uh, that's obvious, but, but the, the way you can do those quick moves to, to kind of duck under or, or, or shed a block. I think that's where, where he can improve the most. And I definitely say the strength of his game right now is defending the run. What about the intangibles to his game? You know, what kind of teammate is he? What kind of demeanor is he? You know, I mean, obviously you've got some guys who are very vocal, very, you know, um, animated, like a, like a Thibodeau might be on the field. And yeah. you've got some guys who are, you know, just go back to the huddle afterward. Where, where does Riley fall into the spectrum? I, I think he's pretty quiet. You know, I, I don't know if he ever did a media session he he, he might have once or twice but you know because he wasn't a guy who was putting up a bunch of stats I don't think he was ever you know made available to the media he's not a guy who was talked about a ton he's not a guy who was criticized a ton which which can be a good thing you know the best defensive backs I always say are the ones who you don't talk about because if you're not talking about them that means they're doing their job particularly with safeties you know if if a safety's name pops up all the time it's probably because yeah that guy's getting cooked on 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 every other play and fans are frustrated with it but riley definitely a, a head down hard worker positive reputation no, no indication whatsoever that he that he's got any any sorts of drama or any sorts of uh off the field issues locker room problems anything like that there's there, there's been nothing based on the one year he had at oregon and the five he had at, at nebraska i think he brings that sort of maturity that you would expect from somebody like that. I think that that that's what he brings to the table and, and someone who, you know, as I was talking about earlier in terms of play style understands his role. 
I think he's going to understand that he's still got work to do, you know, based on what, what we saw from him in a year at Oregon. I think he understands he needs to improve that there are areas where he can continue to grow to, you know, uh, make, make it for many, many years in the NFL. But the good news is when you're six, six, 320 pounds, you will get the opportunity to do so. Were you surprised that he went drafted as opposed to being an undrafted free agent, given the fact that, yes, he's got size, but he also doesn't have that experience. So, I mean, obviously, you know, you talked about the size is very appealing, but were you, were you still surprised that he, he made it into the draft? Well, he's got the experience. He just doesn't have the production, I think, is what's kind of missing from being a typical NFL draft pick. And I, I, I will say I was a little bit surprised uh, when you consider there's in the seventh round. Definitely less so. I, I don't think it was a, a wasted draft pick by any means, because I think you've seen in the NFL, whether it's a quarterback or any other position, they are willing going back to the coaching discussion we were having earlier and getting the most out of your players. They are willing in the NFL almost across the league to to take a guy who they feel has the physical capabilities of being productive, of being a good player and molding him into their vision of what the best version of that player really looks like. So when you have the, the the size and strength and, you know, just the reps in the weight room, right. It's not like he is a, a 20 year old or 21 year old kid. Like he is, he is a grown man coming out of, uh, of college pretty much. I think he's 24, 25 years old. So maybe not grown man. Cause then that make me a grown man and I'm definitely not, but <laughs> I, I think he's somebody who I, I did not expect uh, to get drafted, but if you told me he was, I'd say, hey, he's probably like a sixth, seventh round flyer or or, or something in that in that area, and that's kind of what what it feels like here for the Giants. The consistency in coaching, though, you mentioned that he came over to the Ducks with with his defensive line coach, I guess from that he had in Nebraska. Yeah. I mean. Do you think that was a benefit for him to receive the same coaching, even though maybe the scheme might have been tweaked a little bit? Uh, yeah, I, I'd say so. I think that comfort level for uh, for kids in college football is really big. You see it in the transfer portal just all the time is players, you know, feel like they are committing to play for schools. Yes, but mostly for coaches. And that's why when one coach leaves, you see a flock of players go with him. Because that player is, you know, they've already got a relationship with that coach. They know what to expect from the playing time. They know what to expect schedule wise. They know what to expect scheme wise. They've got that ingrained familiarity. Like there's just a lot of comfort with with that. And I think it's time in Nebraska just kind of run its course. And he wasn't a super heralded recruit uh in the portal when when he came over to Oregon and then he turned into a guy who wasn't a super heralded player but was a solid player and and was and was a contributor to the defense and did some nice things at times I'm not looking at Oregon's defensive line this year and saying man we really really miss Jordan Riley but I also am not glad to see him go like if he had stayed he probably would have been a starter or or at the very least uh within the two deep and defensive tackles rotate as much as any position on on the football field, he would have been in that mix uh, once again. And I think the, the the coaching element is just kind of what you see in college nowadays. You know, his uh, old Nebraska teammate, Casey Rogers, did the same thing uh, where he followed Tony Tuioti to Oregon because he knew what he was going to get there. And Casey Rogers also is really, really solid player on, on the defensive line for the Ducks. So I, I think that that all made a lot of sense 
for for Jordan Riley and you know Tony Tudioti probably told him hey if you come to Oregon you can play more than you did in Nebraska and he did and that that's clearly worked out for him as he's parlayed that into being an NFL draft pick. You mentioned that that Riley is a a, a little older than your typical senior. Um, I call them super seniors because yes. you know obviously the the COVID years, the extra he is years a super, of the eligibility. He is, he is a super duper senior. Super duper senior. That being said, um, do you? Is there a noticeable, um, I guess, do you notice a maturity level in his game that, you know, maybe for the average senior might not be there? Yeah, I I think I never remembered a moment this year where I felt like he was getting bullied, not like by, by other offensive linemen. I don't mean by his teammates or anything like that, but I never remember a moment where he was way out of position. I never remember a moment where he made it a dramatic mistake. You know, I think it's really indicative of his personality is you don't really notice that he's there, but that's okay. Given the position that he plays, like you don't need to always notice the defensive lineman or defensive tackle in particular is there edge players. You do because you need him to get after the quarterback, but unless you have Aaron Donald or Fletcher Cox on the interior, there are just not that many guys, Chris Jones of the Kansas City Chiefs. There are not that many players who you can look at and say, yeah, he's making a big impact and he's playing defensive tackle. Like mostly your job is don't get pushed off the ball, which Jordan Riley did not have happen too often last year. Swallow up some double teams, create holes for linebackers so they can go get the credit. You know, it's like, don't be, don't be Ricky Bobby, be, uh, Oh, I for, I forgot his friend's name. I haven't seen that movie Talladega Nights in so long. But um, John C. Riley's character, right? You you got to set up Ricky Bobby for the slingshot. Someone's got to do that. That that's kind of what Jordan Riley is is ready to do. I don't think he's the Aaron Donald type. I think he's more the yeah. He held up the uh, the guard on a double team long enough for your linebacker or a blitzing safety to have a seam to get through tackle the running back for a two or three yard game when it would otherwise be be five or six I I think that's kind of where he can thrive the best for for the Giants and I I think that's kind of what is mostly asked of of defensive tackles so basically a support role is what you're saying yeah yeah he yeah I think he's a a supporting role kind of guy which is what he was at Oregon you know he was uh far from Oregon's best defensive lineman he was certainly far from the worst he had a really high snap count this year. I forget exactly what it was, but he was out there far more often than than he was not. And he was uh, a, a regular starter and just a a solid contributor. And I think has some room to grow at the NFL level, but I see no reason he can't be a solid contributor in the NFL. Right. Now, I always like to to do human interest uh, stories on these guys, you know, some, some kind of, you know, superlative or something about their background that, that, you know, just kind of defines who they are. What can you tell me about his background, maybe an interest or uh, maybe something he majored in? I I don't know. I mean, what would make for a really good, you know, human interest type of story with him? Gosh, I, (laughs) I'm trying to think, I don't know that there was one. Cause like I said, he wasn't a guy that was super talkative he wasn't making noise he wasn't you know getting specifically interviewed all the time I'm I'm sure there there might be one out there somewhere but I think he's just really one of those under the radar go to work put your head down work in an unassuming role on your team 
sort of guys and do whatever he can to to help the team win. I'm trying to wrap my brain, but I don't think there's anything of, uh, of, of, of that specific nature with him, which is not a bad thing, I don't think, because th- there were more than a few interest stories about Kayvon Thibodeau, and, and some people saw that as a drawback. And, you know, Giants fans saw what he was all about last year. He's a butt kicker. That's kind of what he, what he, what he does. Uh, I remember when, uh, when, when Thibodeau was tearing it up on, was it Monday Night Football against the uh, – whatever the team in DC, the commanders. commanders. Yeah. The, yeah. The commanders now, I don't know. I can't keep up, but like when he was just dominating the game, a friend of mine who's an Oregon state fan texted me and uh, I was in a very good mood because I'd been on the cave Thibodeau hype train for a long time as people were writing him off. And I was like, no, this is so stupid. This is, this is just, it's completely media driven, overblown, all this sort of stuff. And he texted me. He was like, so I guess Kayvon Thibodeau is pretty good, huh? And I was like, yeah, I, I tried to tell people. I I tried to tell them. Everybody wanted to say that he was not invested in football and he was too distracted or whatnot. I was like, nope, that guy is really good when he's on the field. I He's got interests off the field. Yep, totally does. Steph Curry's a scratch golfer. Damian Lillard's got rap albums. These guys do other stuff and they can still be near, near the top of their craft. But Jordan Riley doesn't have anything like that at, at this point in time. And for him, I, I think that I, it clearly works. Yeah. I mean, to each his own and, and, and KT, by the way, is quite the character. All right, Spencer, final question for you yep. about Jordan Riley. What is one thing we haven't touched upon that you feel giant fans should know about this young man? Ooh, one thing that we haven't touched upon. <laughs> That there's just as high a likelihood he ends up never cracking the rotation as there is he becomes not just a starter, but a Pro Bowl caliber player. I I don't think that this is a guy whose ceiling is tremendously high. And I think given, you know, what what I saw from him at Oregon in one year, I'd say in the NFL, I could see him being someone who maybe doesn't make it or doesn't see the field a ton, but I could I, like my, my best guess for him is he's a rotational defensive lineman. That, that would be my most honest prediction about what he becomes for the giants, a rotational defensive lineman, a starter. You could find guys that are better than him, but you could also probably find guys that, that are worse than him and that don't have the the size that he does. But I don't think you should expect him to take, a huge leap and become some pro bowl level defensive lineman. But I, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, in, in two years, for instance, they decided to to move on from him or if he just, you know, wasn't, wasn't playing all the time. Cause he just never showed even really flashes of dominance at Oregon. So it's going to be a very tape heavy job for him in that the tape that the GM and all of his staff study week in and week out is going to determine whether or not like looking at this snap and how did that snap go and what's the, and that, this, that, and the other thing, that's what's going to determine whether or not the giants decide to commit to him long-term. But I, I, I suspect he's a guy who plays out his rookie contract, probably goes and finds another team. But in those couple of years, you could maybe have a couple of decent moments from him, but I, I wouldn't get over your skis with, with excitement. 
Right. I mean, seventh round draft pick, he's probably going to be a practice squatter of anything because they're pretty loaded right now on the defensive line, the Giants with Sean Robinson and Raheem Nunes Roches. And they also have a couple of other guys returning. So to, to me, it just sounds like he's a, he's more of a Jordan's more of a uh, developmental project. And we'll see where he's at next year, because, you know, the, the experience, the, the production, you know, jumping around from Nebraska, then to Oregon. Um, just probably needs a year a year of seasoning, probably needs to get into the weight room, improve his strength like all rookies do. And of course, you know, get NFL level coaching with, you know, regards to his technique, which I'm sure can be cleaned up somewhat. Yeah, I, I think the, the technique and developing a, a bigger array of pass rush moves can uh, really, really be a benefit for him. Um, but if you're saying the Giants are, are deep on on the defensive line, yeah, I could see him being more of a developmental piece, but I think that's a pretty good guy to go with is someone who's not going to make a bunch of noise, who doesn't expect to play a lot and who's 6'6", 320-ish pounds. So I, I think that it it makes a lot of sense in, in that realm. And if if Jordan Riley ends up being a rotation player this year for the Giants, I won't be surprised if he ends up, you know, playing 20 snaps all season. That That wouldn't surprise me either. So basically you're keeping your, your options open. Yeah. I, I, Not I think setting keeping, any expectations. Yeah, yeah. I think expectations should be, should be pretty tampered with them, but you know, you shouldn't fully write him off and say, Oh, well, he's just, he's no good. He wasn't any good at Oregon. Like he could still become that, right? but he might, he might need some time to be able to do that. Spencer, thank you so much for all the intel. I really appreciate it. It's great that we get to talk to you guys once a year. I mean, if we're lucky, we get to talk to you <laughs> once a year. I know I talked to you last year about yeah. KT. Um, folks, you can check him out again. He's the host of Locked On Ducks and Locked On Pac-12. Please check out our college hosts. They do such a good job with their coverage. And it's not just football. If you're into baseball or lacrosse or hockey, or you just want to know who's coming, who's going through the transfer portals and whatnot, or signings, they're the people you want. We to got you covered out. on the transfer portal. Let me assure you, we got everybody I covered bet. on the transfer portal, whatever I team that you're looking you for. I guarantee you there's transfer portal discussion. If you scroll through a week's worth of episodes, that is a big, big topic all the time. So if that's what you're looking for, whatever school, by all means, check us out down on the college channel. Definitely. And they, of course, the college folks, they are five days a week like us here on the Locked On NFL. So check them out, folks. Uh, you won't be sorry. So anyway, for Spencer McLaughlin, I'm Patricia Trader. Giant fans, stay tuned. We've got more coming up on today's episode right after this. All right, Giant fans, that's actually going to do it for us here on today's Locked on Giants podcast. Hope you enjoyed the interview with Spencer McLaughlin. Make sure you tune in tomorrow when we hear all about the final draft choice of the New York Giants 2023 class. Safety Gervarius Owens out of Houston. We'll hear from Locked on Cougs host Parker Ainsworth. That'll be on tomorrow's Locked on Giants podcast. We'll see you then, Giant fans.